So, ladies and gentlemen, today I have the pleasure of talking to Dr. Mike Banner. Mike, thank you very much for coming and talking to me today. Uh, Thanks for having appreciate me. It. You're very welcome. And for those of you that don't know Mike, uh, he is a general practitioner based in West Sussex. And Mike, you have an interest in lifestyle me uh, medicine. What Could you just briefly explain that a little bit, please? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it depends who you speak to, really, what lifestyle medicine is. But but to me, what it means is just the recognition that a big part of healthcare is um, is the understanding that our lifestyle has an impact on our health and trying to make sure that we are aware of that and that we engage in lifestyle change in order to optimize our health as best we can without losing sight of the fact that um, lifestyle medicine is not the be all and end all. So I think a lot of people criticize lifestyle medicine because they think it's the suggestion that, oh, if you just take supplements and, and do exercise, that then you don't need to take medicine. And, and that is absolutely not the case and not what not what I would be going for to be promoting. Um, so it's just more of just an awareness that things like physical activity and nutrition have an impact on your health. Mm. That would have been a quicker, snappier way of saying it, wouldn't it? There we go. Well, answered now. So got there uh, in the end. Yes, indeed, no ambiguity. So um, with that, just leading on to the first question I have for you, which is, what does uh, health and fitness, health and well-being mean to you? And what can we be doing? You touched on some points. What can we be doing to uh, make positive changes to our own health and well-being? So this is a very good question, also a very broad question. So mm. I think I think health and well-being mean different things to different people. So I suppose the best way to me for me to answer this would be to say what it means to me. And there are certain kind of pictures of ideals that you have in your head about what it means to be healthy. And I think certainly for me, they've changed over the years. So other people's definitely might not look like this. But for me, for me, being healthy is about being physically able to do the things that that my body is able to do um, without being hampered by issues that might stop it from doing those things. So like, for example, I'm not talking about things like disabilities and stuff like that, but I mean, you know, it, being able to, to walk without getting out of breath because I might be too overweight, for example, or I might not have my cardiovascular fitness up enough to, to be able to do that. Obviously, it doesn't account for things like disease. I think you can still be healthy even in the context of disease and you can still optimize your health in the context of things like chronic illness. And I think that's even, you know, probably more important as well. Um, I think feeling comfortable, I think is a big part of health as well. Uh, feeling kind of comfortable in your own skin. Um, you know, I, I hesitate to bring appearance into it, but certainly sometimes I think people feel more comfortable at a healthier weight, both from a confidence point of view, but also from, a, a function point of view as well or from certainly from thinking about things like biochemical markers as well which I'm sure we'll talk about a bit more later in the podcast um, and also making sure that we are being mindful of our mental health as well and making sure that we are not making ourselves feel worse in the pursuit of this idea of health which which again may be skewed for different people mm. So yeah, very broad as as you mentioned, um, and 
obviously there's not one fix sort of for all you know not everyone's going to respond to the, but if you were to give someone like a, a general um, you know with each of those aspects what can we be doing what can we implement to just sort of you know is it a case of getting more activity is it you know sort of this a, a diet is it you know what can we uh, as a daily thing what can we put in place to make sure that we you know we're doing everything that we can to make sure that we're sort of fit and healthy so i'd say possibly the the most important things about it would be things like physical activity uh decent nutrition uh stress management and sleep um and kind of social uh, communication with people and things like that there, there are lots of different ways of increasing health and I think it depends it depends where you're coming from and when you're where you're starting from but I, I work a lot with an organization called the British Society of Lifestyle Medicine um, and their slogan is is called one change um, and I think probably the most important thing for me is is encouraging small changes mm. kind of one at a time so not sort of saying taking somebody who you know, might be doing minimal physical activity, have an extremely poor diet, uh, not sleeping well, very stressful job and lifestyle, and then just telling them you need to fix all of these immediately, you know, with no real guidance on how to do that. I think huge change is very, very difficult to implement for people. So probably the most important piece of advice that I tend to give to anybody who's trying to Im improve their lifestyle would be to do things slowly and gradually and one at a time, unless they are a particularly highly motivated um type of personality in which case they might they might benefit from doing it in different ways but but most of the people that i think suffer with it probably need to take it a bit slower cool so you touched there on uh body confidence and with regards to like weight and being up and breathlessness and uh the constraints but the challenges that sort of uh you know sort of borderline obesity or obesity sort of uh impacts upon us so when we're looking at that and we i think most people out there are uh familiar with a bmi scale or body mass yeah. index scales so i just wanted to sort of briefly touch on um what it is first of all then its limitations and is there a is that the best way we should be looking at things? Oh. Okay, so from, I mean, in terms of the BMI scale itself, it's, it's basically a measurement that takes into account your height and weight in order to, to come up with an index of numbers that, that um, categorizes your weight in the context of your height. So it's, it's, it's a measurement of your size, essentially. And as far as I understand, it was originally invented to be a population uh kind of statistic so it was it was invented for population statistic purposes it was never originally intended to be a marker of health but because of its association with increasing size it has been associated with being a marker of health um it certainly has an awful lot of drawbacks i think probably the biggest thing that it has going for it is it is that it is very very easy to measure mm -hmm. and in 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 i suppose quite a large cohort of the population it will in some ways be commensurate with how how obese they are and it may also have correlation with a lot of their health markers but it is certainly not the be all and end all and it certainly has a lot of drawbacks and 
what's difficult about it as well is that say for example you might be able to say that people of a larger bmi um, might be more likely to have cardiovascular disease but what you must also remember is perhaps that people of a larger bmi may well be of a lower socioeconomic um, uh, standing and therefore may have other factors related to things like poverty that may well be impacting on their likelihood to develop cardiovascular disease so it's it's kind of it's it's a really tricky situation and there are lots of people who are very much against it um i think that thing the thing is that scale weights and bmi like i said is a very easy way of measuring things and i think that something that that is is fair to say in certain situations is that you know for example an extremely muscular person who's carrying a lot of muscle mass and who is extremely cardiovascularly fit might well weigh the same at the same height as somebody who is overweight and inactive um so it's very important not to use it as the be all and end all but for most untrained people for example and the, the majority of the population i think that it's um that it is useful that it does have some uses uh, but it's just very important that you take it in context and that we look more at things like health behaviours than than purely size and appearance related measurements. Cool. Very cool. Excellent. Um, so say that uh, someone did want to, let's say, make a change to their body and get, uh, let's say, to a healthier point and include those points that you touched on before with regards to sort of health and well-being mm -hmm. when someone's undertaking a diet I, I understand that you um, yourself when you made like sort of a transformation with your body you took on a particular diet um, paleo you said it was and that's one of one of them yeah one, one of, of the things them. I did so how do you, do you think that with these sort of for want of a better word, diet religions when we're sort of having paleo, keto, carnivore diet, um, the list goes on. Do you think there's a better way of approaching it? Are they, are they helpful, these sort of diet religions, or is it more of a let's sort of improve on what I've got and understand sort of how to go about it with, you know, in, in your own diet? I mean, they're probably quite helpful to some people because I think the community aspect of dieting can be hugely helpful. And I think having a bit of accountability and having like this tribe that you feel you belong in can be helpful. And it certainly felt helpful for me at the time. Mm. The problem comes when you reach a point that you no longer feel that allegiance to that diet for whatever reason, either you, you are starting to find it too restrictive um, or you feel like you need to make a change, then then you're then faced with the disadvantage of also having to question your own identity and your social circle and people that you feel that you belong with. So, for example, you know, I I did the paleo diet as part of my process. I initially found it to be incredibly helpful in terms of I lost a lot of weight. I found it um, like a really effective diet because for me, the kinds of foods that I tended to overeat with were the kinds of foods that were forbidden on that diet. So I automatically ate a lot less. But because of because that those foods were the foods I the foods I tended to overeat on, they were ten they tended to be foods that, that I had a preference for, which meant that after a certain amount of time, once my you know I'd run out of willpower and motivation and that time lasted anything from I would say at different points four days to to you know three or four weeks. 
I got to the point where I could no longer adhere to that diet mm. or I no longer wanted to adhere to that diet. And then what was difficult was that then if you then feel like that's the only way to do something, it's then very difficult to change your way of doing it. So instead of going, right, this isn't working, I'm going to try something else. You go, no, I've got to get back to this. So you get into this sort of shame cycle of going, oh, I'm so terrible. Why can't I adhere to this diet? Why am I failing at this? I failed. Oh, my goodness, I've eaten some cake. Gosh, I'm a massive failure. And now I must, quote unquote, get back on the wagon and you try again and again and again and you keep this kind of success failure cycle i think is quite psychologically damaging for people mm. but also that sort of binge restrict mentality of like while you're off your diet you go okay well I, I messed it up for today so i'm going to eat a load of cake um and then i'm going to go back to it tomorrow and start again and everything's going to be great and then you mess it up again and i say i use mess it up in air quotes as well because Really, it's not you that's messing it up. It's the diet that just isn't compatible with your lifestyle. And when you're so bought into that method and you don't believe a different diet can work, then you're not going to try that other diet. And that's where I think it becomes dangerous. Yeah. You, I remember you saying that you, it took you a while for yourself and your trainer to uh, get you to change and just say can we just try you sort of this and you were quite hesitant to yeah. because you had these i suppose food rules that yeah. you, you you created um and you were not so forthcoming with regards to change and how how long I, I you might not be able to sort of recollect but how long did it take you to sort of go okay well um i'll, I'll give it a try I, I recollect exactly how long it okay. took me. It took me seven months. Wow. Yeah. It took seven months of, I remember, um, so the friend that, that, that ended up sort of taking over my nutrition, um, I remember we started, um, you know, we met around sort of March, April time of that year. And we had regular debates and discussions and, you know, arguments basically about flexible dieting. And we got to, I think we, we, we agreed to do a plan together like an eight week plan that began at the end of october so it was exactly pretty much seven months wow okay and when you let's say started with the whole flexible dieting approach mm -hmm. how how long before you sort of uh let's say allowed yourself to go okay well this seems to be working and uh, let's build up a little bit of buy-in to that. How, how long can you recall how long it took you from sort of trying it? To Straight go away. On? Really? Straight away. So, so interestingly, or oh, well, you might not find it that interesting. I do. <laughs> we did, we started an eight week plan in October and I was still doing the same plan the following September. So it was, it was, it was immediate. It yeah. was definitely like, it was, it was kind of like I'd found, I found what what seemed to, what was sustainable for me. I had no I had no trouble sustaining it. So it wasn't like I was on a diet anymore, and that yes. was what was great about it. But really interesting. Well, again, I say interestingly as though it is interesting to other people. It's a bit interesting to me. I actually had started off on a flexible dieting approach and lost a significant amount of weight when I very first started dieting. Mm. I switched to paleo when I felt that I was plateauing, 
um, and that, that my calories were, you know, I was I was using my fitness pal and I was just counting calories. I wasn't doing protein or macros or anything like that. Mm. And I got to this point sort of six months in where I'd lost several kilos and I thought, oh, I don't seem to be losing kilos this week. Uh, what do I do? Oh, I know everyone seems to say that you need to now focus on on quality of your diet. So it's now not all about calories. It's about what you're putting in your body and then I had I knew several people several professionals in in the industry who supported that viewpoint and that was why I switched to paleo in the first place but the original the flexible dieting approach originally had no real plan to it it was literally a calorie limit every day that I stuck to and that calorie limit because I was just using my fitness pal went down and down um as I lost weight so I think I ended up getting down to something like 1,400 calories as my daily allowance. And I think that's why I needed to move on from that bit. And that's where that went wrong too. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Um, so when you, uh, let's say one undertakes a diet and let's say loses a substantial amount of body fat, what are these biomarkers that you referred to what are the benefits of doing that and getting into this sort of healthier range uh, what can we expect to see well again i mean it will be different for everybody and mm. certainly some people won't um won't necessarily see a massive change in in the in their sort of biomarkers um but i think you know it's your general fitness i think is 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 probably the main thing that that you would look to improve but again that's more through through doing the health behaviors rather than it is the the bmi itself as far as i understand you know bmi usually has uh, or, or reducing your bmi usually has or sorry i should say reducing your body fat level um usually should have a positive effect on things like your blood pressure so if your blood pressure is high that can impact that um, things like lipid metabolism, so cholesterol and things like that are a little bit more complex. There are huge genetic components with regards to that as well. So it's difficult to say, or oh, if you lose weight, you'll see an improvement in your cholesterol. That's not necessarily the case. Um, certainly things like um, blood sugar levels, you know, if you're borderline diabetic or pre-diabetic or, or type 2 diabetic. Sorry, and I should just mention very specifically, I'm referring to type 2 diabetes, not type 1 diabetes, which is an autoimmune condition um and yeah i guess you know just just you i i would say focusing on biomarkers is a difficult thing to manage but i would focusing on your you know your health your well-being your ability to you know to exercise and to mm. feel better i think is probably more important um in you know of a thing to focus on because it's difficult to measure those other things frequently anyway fantastic well that's the most important thing really isn't it just you feeling better about your uh, your body and yourself and confidence yeah. that you alluded to i mean obviously sort of there's the the health side of it but um yeah you know what it's really it's really difficult and I, I feel like sometimes when i talk about this sort of stuff i i'm i'm talking i'm like walking on eggshells a little bit because mm -hmm. i don't i don't want to um tie in physical health too much to physical appearance or even at mm -hmm. all really to physical appearance but at the same time, a lot of people are motivated by feeling more confident in their bodies, being able to wear what they think looks good, you know, being able to um, to to look the way that they want to look. Um, and I don't think that that's inherently a bad thing. And I mm. think that that sometimes it's it's made out to be a really a really terrible thing. 
And I think it just depends entirely on the on the context. And I think what's super important is that, you know, self-care is something that we talk about a lot. But I think self-care also needs to be clarified a bit further in that sometimes the way to care for yourself is to to optimize your health, you know, to make sure that you are healthy. And there's a there's a difference between encouraging people to give themselves a break because they're working too hard or they're they're exercising too hard or they're being too hard on themselves with regards to their appearance and telling people to give themselves a break when they they're already giving themselves many many breaks Mm. um and they're not looking after themselves and there are things that they could do to improve things but again there are a lot of there are a lot of reasons for people to be overweight or unfit and they're not you know, there's significant issues around things like, you know, food availability to people, mm-hmm. um, socioeconomic issues, etc. So I think one of the biggest problems that we do when it comes to, to or one of the problems that we have when it comes to things like talking about fat loss is I think that most of the people who talk about fat loss place too much onus on the individual as being the reason that they are overweight when actually there are so many societal issues like what we talked about, but also things like food marketing, understanding of nutrition and all of those sorts of things that sort of conspire together to to result in people being overweight on a population sort of level. But that doesn't mean that we can't make positive changes within our constraints, if that makes sense as well. So I think like what I want to always try and do is encourage positive change but not be telling people that they have to change because they're, you know, they're unworthy as they are. I think that's the biggest issue that we have is that there's this big kind of association between size and morality, which is Mm. something that is obviously wrong. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. That's all the questions that I have for you. Before I let you go, where can people find you, uh, your work, social media, etc.? Um... So, well, I spoke for my work. They would just find me if they were local to my area and they were interested at my GP practice. But um, for for things like Instagram and stuff, it's and and Facebook and Twitter, it's Doctor Mike the Second, which is uh, D R M I K E T H E two N D and two is a number. It's a terrible it's a terrible name to have to say out loud because there's no there's no really intrinsically obvious way of spelling it, Doctor Mike the Second. Um, but yeah, there maybe that's just a, a challenge. Not that no, people would necessarily want to engage in that challenge, but if they do, that's where I am. Okay. There we go. Well, <laughs> thank you very much for uh, talking to me today, and uh, yeah, I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Good stuff. And this is where I find out we haven't been recording for the last twenty minutes. Oh no, good. <laughs>